0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Wanderings podcast. I am Pedro Bonato, a photographer and a musician. And in my artworks, I try to connect the dots between cultures and explore mythology and history and fashion from traditions from around the world. In today's episode, I want to share with you a very special conversation with singer, songwriter and musician Stacy Yerofeyeva, a.k.a. Nastasia Y, where we talk about her journey through world music and the influence of the music of Ukraine, where she was born. We also talked about her influences when she moved to Toronto in R&B, jazz, Eastern European music, her new love for the accordion, and the importance of both exploring our own heritage and expanding our horizons with the cultures from around the world. Also, if you want, you can actually watch our conversation from this episode in video on my YouTube channel. Links will be on my website and on the show notes. Usually this podcast is audio only, but this episode is part of a very special series of interviews I'm working on called The DNA of Music, where I interview musicians from all over the world, from all walks of life, and there they share their music, their instruments, and at the end of the show, they play a song that is very personal to them. So this is DNA in the sense of the musical DNA of humanity, and DNA in the sense of a deeply personal song from one individual. So, at the end of this interview, you'll be able to hear a performance of a song called Koliskova, which is a song Nastasia learned from her father. Also, if you heard last week's episode of the Wanderers podcast, you will know that I actually started a daily podcast, which is called Creative Walks, where I talk about creativity and inspiration and if you like this conversation may want to go check out episode 12 of creative walks uh, because i talk a little bit more about this project from a personal point of view so now let's get into the show and i really hope you enjoy it okay cool so (laughs) Stacy Welcome to the show, to the second episode of The DNA of Music. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited always to hear all about your ideas and be a part of
0: them. Yeah, but today it's <laughs> all about your ideas and all about your music. So, um, to start off, you the coolest thing that I think that you do and you get it very well, like in the Toronto music scene, is that we have this thing of having contemporary music, pop music, And there is this combination with traditions. And -hmm. you're going to talk about the traditions of Ukraine and all the other places where you work. But just to start, tell a little bit about who you are as a musician and uh, what the kind of things that you were interested in and that you're working on as like an overall view of that.
1: Yeah, that's quite a question. Um, So definitely, uh, I definitely feel two very different sides of myself always as a musician um, and as a person and it's about kind of finding where those two meet or maybe they don't even have to meet but definitely my background is... Um, uh, for one, you know, I studied uh, jazz music, contemporary music, classical music. I have my degrees in um, in the classical from the Royal Conservatory of Music and jazz piano performance from uh, Humber College. So uh, that was a music I actually discovered when I moved here from Toronto, uh, sorry, from Ukraine to Toronto when I was 11. And I remember... Um, you know, just discovering pop music slowly, uh, because that was, we didn't have as much of the Mm -hmm. North American music, uh, back in Ukraine. And then I remember this one moment that kind of shaped my, um, life now. And it was going to, uh, I was grade eight, um, open house at the high school that I was going to go to. And I remember seeing the high school band play uh, soul, funk, and r and uh, and jazz. And I just remember my eyes opening up and, and being like, what is this music? I've never heard it. Uh, this is what I want to do. So I thought that's what I was doing. So I went in, did that uh, at Humber professionally, got my degree. Um, and then um, uh, towards the end of uh, that degree program, I decided, to actually go back and figure out who I am, uh, what my roots are. So actually getting back into traditional music is a very, very new thing for me. Okay. So it's something that I've only been doing it, um, mm, mm, well, maybe maybe now eight years. But uh, still kind wow. of new. Yeah well, yeah, well,
0: eight years is already... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know, it's like it takes a lifetime <laughs> right. to, to get to everything. else yeah. You know, cool. yeah, like in the... Um, And so, right now, that I know of, you are involved in, like, four or five different projects that we're going to to get into. And uh, one of them is um, Dovira. I think we can start with uh, with that as sort of, like, and then split into all those other Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. Because I think you call it, uh, like... Electro, ethno, like, um, like, can so, you talk a little bit um, about Dovira? Cause it's uh, a, yeah. it's a very interesting way of like uh, combining different, combining
1: recipes. those. Yeah. Those different sides of me. And that's kind of exactly what the project is for. So it's called Dovira, um, or, which means trust in Ukrainian. So, uh, the project is. About exactly finding that middle ground between the music that I went and kind of studied professionally and thought, um, was, um, uh, was me because, uh, um, you know, eight years ago, I released an album that was, it was my own songwriting and it was, um, kind of popular R&B, um, jazz, pop, funk. Um, and then once I started bringing my roots in, I discovered, uh, it's quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's very tricky because, um, the music has such different, uh, well, uh, roots really that it comes from. So, uh, it's been a challenging few fu- challenge fusing the two, but it's the most exciting thing for me because I just love things that are different and are, are sometimes harder to place, but finding that sound and getting closer to finding that uh, coherent sound has been really about discovering myself uh, mm-hmm. and finding me. And as I get uh, closer to it, um, I feel like there's more authenticity um, in in me because that's kind of what I am because I'm all about music and what I'm um, inspired by musically. So that's the Vita for me. It's like finding that trust in myself and also working with the incredible musicians that I get to work with. Um, they're not Ukrainian, so I'm the one that kind of brings in the traditional element. Um, and each one of the musicians that I work with just has such a vast um, knowledge of music that's their own. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just try to, to uh, make them be themselves, their mm-hmm. authentic selves in this project. And we try to just combine all that together and Mm -hmm. see what happens. And it's, it's pretty beautiful. Uh, it's pretty cool. And so we have a lot, we have, um, jazz sounding songs and we have like rock and roll, heavy, heavy hitters, Mm -hmm. um, with the beer.
0: Yeah. And also you have some like more electronic stuff that you were playing around with. So Uh, that's
1: a new thing. Yeah. We've we've decided to go in the electronic route. um, And that for that project, there are only three of us that are part of it. So myself, Micromaniac and uh, Patrick O'Reilly. And uh, they kind of do live looping um, and DJing um, and electronics um, that they experiment with uh, as I do a lot of singing and I put my voice through some effects to make it um, still a live experience. Even though it's electronic, a lot of people think, uh, you know, that means like everything's pre-recorded and just playing press, you're pressing play. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's uh, it's just a different way of creating music live because, uh, you know, Patrick, for example, really works with what I'm doing vocally and how I'm improvising and he's improvising electronically around that. Uh, so that's, um, we call it stage three of Dovira. We started out pretty folky. Then we went and we did our full album called Dovira, And it was uh, a full band featuring a lot of incredible Toronto talent. And now we're taking it, scaling back, just the three of us. And uh, it's an electronic project. So actually, May 22nd, our first Mm -hmm. song comes out. All
0: right. uh, (laughs) Cool. Yeah, uh, we'll have show notes and links to all the stuff we're going to be talking about. It will be on YouTube and on the website and everything. So one of the things that I find most uh, fascinating about... uh, uh, like, your uh, your story was that you had enough time in Ukraine, right, in Kyiv, to be infused with the culture from the place. and By taking came... it
1: for granted. <laughs> oh, well, but, yeah,
0: but that's, so, that's something, to, something to talk about because we always, uh, even, like, not to make about me, but I remember, like, wanting to get out of Brazil for a bunch of reasons. And then over time, especially it would be 10 years that I've been living in Toronto, that over time you start seeing a lot of things that are actually very cool from your own tradition. So, you know, it, it seems like we're always trying to to escape wherever we are. So, mm-hmm. but to, mm-hmm. to go back to this idea of... Yeah. Um, of what you were, like you in Ukraine, so you had like your basically your childhood and pre-teen there, and then you came here, and then you had all your, like most of your musical training here, and then coming back to like the Ukrainian uh, traditions. Can you talk a little bit about that, uh, like specifically that moment in your life, like uh, of you coming from Ukraine to, uh, to Toronto, and how was that uh, experience for you?
1: Um, cha- yeah, changing my life, ca- coming to, so I was 11 when I came to Toronto and I definitely didn't think much of it. I just, uh, I was actually pretty excited, uh, because, you know, it's North America and I just thought that I would have a pool in my backyard, like right <laughs> away, because that's what on all the movies, that's what you yeah. see is a pool. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what, um all I was thinking at that point but I do remember um actually going uh to school which was like right away because my mom is a Eastern European mother and so you know you're not going to take any breaks and like sit at home and learn the language no no you're gonna go right to school right away um it was uh Uh, it was the very end of grade five, I I believe they could have, she could have let me have the summer and then start in September, but no, I went, I think it was end of May. Um, so, and I just remember it was tough. Of course, the language was tough. I remember, um, the first tour I got of the school, um, and the principal said, and this is the washroom. And I remember thinking wash, like you wash yourself, (laughs) um, because you know, I knew it as water closet and stuff like that. So there were a lot of challenges for sure. But, uh, I was, I moved and I was kind of in, in North York and so the multiculturalism hit me right away and uh, there were people i've never seen before i've never interacted before right away i was placed in esl so uh, english second language so my friends became uh you know i had my best friend from iran and i just started we started learning so much about each other and it's a different kind of experience than you can get in a place like ukraine that's pretty much um, still very much um, everyone has a very similar mentality, which I think can be very cool um, because uh, it's a unique place, you know, where where everyone at least more or less speaks the same language and, and thinks similarly where, as I discovered right away, so many different uh, outlooks on life <laughs> uh, and so many um, uh, opinions. And I think that's what makes Toronto really cool. And that's why I'm here to stay for sure. And now I'm learning that through music, uh, you know, with your project, Blue yeah. Dot, which I'm a part of. Yeah. Um, it's constantly like, um, it, you know, can you share what, uh, what are you bringing to the table? What is, what is your culture? What is your culture? Like, what are you saying through your music and just coming to your room? And and trying to come up with something together, which yeah. is just so beautiful. And I find that uh, that's the Toronto thing, you know. It's it's uh, sometimes it's not as unified, but it's beautiful in that way because we are just um, also different and learning from each other is beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things that at least to me in uh, well, you know this well, but it's one of those those things that. Um, I'm very interested in the songs, in the border things, right? And um, whenever someone brings something that people haven't like seen before in their own traditions, and sometimes you see that as a completely different thing or sometimes you see that as like, Oh, we have our own version Version of that, that, which Mm -hmm. is uh, like, it's the most uh, amazing thing, which is why I asked about like your experience coming from like from Ukraine at such uh, an early age. And so let's talk a little bit about um, Ukraine and about uh, the music there and the language. So we're going to go a little bit more into it. It's uh, fascinating to me that it's a country that has like such a long history. And at the same time, such a short history as, a, like, an, as actually a nation. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I find fascinating, and I don't know how you specifically navigate uh, through that, the the fact that you guys, when you're born and depend, you know, the part of the country, you speak Russian and Ukrainian,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. And then you switch between the two. So, in Definitely. terms of language, like, how how is that for you? Like, I know, like, in... I think in uh, Western Ukraine, people are mainly speaking um, like Ukrainian and then Western Mm -hmm. Ukraine. Sometimes they're mainly Russian and people can, especially in Kyiv, they can go from one language to the other. So how is that for you, like language-wise?
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question. And it's something that I just grew up with without thinking um, about it. And moving here, uh, people uh, uh, ask about it. And it's, uh, it's different than French and English here, like much different. It's literally, um, I'm from central Ukraine. So, uh, from Kiev, from the capital. So that's where you literally, your every second word, it changes. So you so, go, uh, you go Ukrainian, Russian, and then sometimes even a little bit of an uh, English slang with like the ending being in Ukrainian, which is <laughs> just hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's very open. Nobody thinks about it. I remember really noticing it when I went back, um, just to visit on vacation. And, uh, I remember watching this, um, uh, uh, channel. It was like, I'm one kind of like our, um, are much music, uh, mm-hmm. station. And so there are two hosts and one speaks in Russian, and the other in Ukrainian, and they're talking to each other. And I've, um, been a Russian speaker actually when I was born and it's never been a thing. We've been the most Ukrainian mm-hmm. and so many people have a hard time understanding that, that the language doesn't necessarily mean how you identify, um, because it's just been, um, kind of we've been forced in the capital you've been forced to change if you want you know a good job um uh in the USSR something that's that's going to you know create stability um you were sort of like you just had to to change to russian and it's a very hard thing to um to you know make a change back especially with a you know I was a little kid there's enough going on for my family where they just, they did keep speaking Russian, but they're very, very passionate about Ukraine being its own culture. Um, and finally, uh, after the, uh, the recent events, um, 2004 was when we actually made a conscious decision here in Toronto to switch. Uh, Mm. so my mom and I now speak Ukrainian, um, Uh, And that's been something I never thought we would do as a family. Hmm. Uh, And that's been quite um, a conscious thing. The thing that made it easier was uh, that we had a a little kid. My half-sister was born. And so that was an easy thing of like, okay, well, we have two languages to choose from, to teach her, you know, plus the English. So we don't overwhelm her. Let's go with Ukrainian. And that Hmm. was, um, that made it easier just to really kind of show what uh, where we come from and that we're very um, passionate about, you know, Ukraine being its own thing and mm-hmm. having its own tradition that's separate from Russia, but it's really not uh, a problem. Like I speak to uh, Russian all the time, to Russian speakers, and it doesn't make them any less Ukrainian. So yeah. that's something that's like people don't understand in the media. And they say, oh, but the Russian speakers, do so they want to be part of Russia? no.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the the thing that I find uh, like fascinating about that is just the first when I n- went there was oh like the switch between and then I was trying to learn Russian too and then I was reading the the signs or trying to decipher the signs in the subway and then I was trying to see but I don't know what that word means and then my wife would say oh that's actually Ukrainian like damn it <laughs> uh, but it's um, you know, but American
1: it's uh,
0: yeah no but it's but, but I find it uh, like as like a Brazilian, I can I can relate to that the way you said it just now. That it's like whenever we think of Portuguese, our language, it's it's Brazilian Portuguese, but you don't really think of um although we came from Portugal, we don't really the cultures are actually very they're similar, but they're like actually very different and there are no relationships that are like embedded just because you speak Portuguese has nothing to do with um, being Portuguese like resilience yes. so Brazilian. it's it's completely yeah. different uh, culture, but and it uh, almost
1: makes you have your own thing. Like that's oh, yeah. your that's your quirk, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in and, uh, and in that way, I think it's a little bit different than the than English. That now it's like lingua franca around the world, and then everybody has their own like accents and ways of speaking, and um, and many 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 countries that. Take it and make it uh, their own. That's uh, kind of uh, cool. So, when you were in Ukraine, did you learn um, music there, or was it something that you that you learned here? How did that uh, How did that work?
1: I definitely started piano when I was six. Hmm. Every small Ukrainian child does. Um, the education there is quite uh, fantastic. It's free uh, in a lot of ways, or. Um, not as expensive as it is as it is here to get a decent musical education when you're when you're small so six years old most people go to the little community music school and i did and i remember you know my mom just said what do you want to play and i said piano sounds good sounds like a nice choice uh and i went in um and there was a kind of a head teacher there that uh he does like an ear training test and and I I do remember her being like she's quite gifted and and that and once you hear that as a child uh you kind of once you're good at something you know that you're good at something you kind of make a decision to to do it uh now that didn't go too well because practicing was a thing you had to do i didn't realize that uh, when i was 6 <laughs> and eventually um it's it it, it became very hard to To practice a lot, and I did have a period where I um, stopped, and it wasn't until uh, I, I became a, a teenager and I I made the decision wasn't less it uh, wasn't my parents um, to actually do it, and it was songwriting that made me really decide to do it um, professionally and not stop, and it, that's when I moved here to Canada and started just writing my own little pop songs to try to emulate uh, what I'm hearing on the radio. They were bad. <laughs> they were terrible. But that was something, again, I, I sense a spark, like a renewal, like, Oh, I'm good at this. I like doing this. And from there I just didn't stop. So I did decide to go back and finish my, my classical degree. It's because I can't like stop and not finish something I need no. to uh, finish. So I did go to the Royal Conservatory here, uh, do that. And it was a lot of practicing every day. I did it. Um, and then again, uh, like I said, discovered jazz. Totally put the classical thing aside. Um, I had good chops, as we call it, like good technique to be able to do the jazz thing. But I had to switch my thinking totally. So um, jazz is a lot more about um. Uh, improvising, um, there's less, uh, it's less about kind of reading and memorizing a certain way of doing things. Of course, in classical, there's a lot of your soul you can put into music. You can, um, you can play around the dynamics and shape things that way, but jazz, it's like, there's no limit. There's, you can do whatever you want. And that was an exciting and a scary thing, uh, that made me really, uh, really, decide to do it for life and then of course discovering the traditional uh it was easier to do it uh with a jazz training because with traditional music too there's a lot there's a lot where you're playing with an ensemble and other people so you need to have a really good ear that's open to really playing with people not just being your own in your own little box uh kind of doing what you practice no you need to be like open to changing things up all the time Mm -hmm. Well, cool.
2: yeah.
0: you mentioned about um, jazz, right? So, to me, it's a whole black art. Like uh, I'm more into like started with the like Arabic music and then Turkish and Persian and then world music and now very fascinated about music from Ukraine, and Poland and all, all these mm-hmm. places. But a whole
1: new territory. Yeah, yeah,
0: but for me, jazz is still like music that. Musicians like, but I, I'm not really like into it. Can you give a little bit uh, of like um, a primer of what jazz is not? What jazz is, but like what what it appeals to you, what kind of things uh, are, because I want to ask you later about how that served as a gateway drug to Mm -hmm. all the traditional stuff. But, uh, like, what's your take and your appeal to uh, to, to jazz? Yeah,
1: especially to non-jazz musicians. That's a good question. Um, And it's funny because uh, the other weekend... um, So, uh, just to take a step aside, um, I also run um, an event company where... um, in Toronto, here, where we are really focused on giving musicians uh, sustainable work, so work in uh, private events and weddings, uh, and we kind of have a really good system worked out for that, where we really try to take care of the musician um, and uh, provide clients with something that's that's really really top notch and, and super pro. Uh, again, to help this 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 whole industry and this whole Toronto, um, music scene that we're talking about. So, uh, there is a lot of kind of popular and jazz music that people ask for. And, uh, this lady called, uh, a week ago. Um, and she said, I, my, I have, um, my grandpa, he's turning 90 and I would really love a jazz piano player. And I was like, cool, I have just the perfect guy for you. Let's do it. She's like, yeah, I also have a question. What is jazz? <laughs> so um, that was really funny. And um, and it's like, how do you answer that? Because it's kind of the, um, it's really the start of North American music, but also it's kind of um, this part of everything. Like I think everything really came from Africa, including yep. us, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this music... That made its way to North America. It really shapes um, shapes everything. Shapes our current history, totally, because uh, it's about the rhythm um, first and foremost of um, of of Africa, of this kind of birthplace of everything. Um, and then it's been taken for, it, it's been, it's evolved, right? A lot. And that's why people, non-musicians just, uh, sometimes they'll go to a, a jazz show and they've never really, uh, understood it. And they just go like, I don't know what's going on, but all the musicians are like tapping their head and mm-hmm. going, yeah, man, <laughs> this is like, this is serious stuff. Um, so, um, I think the reason that it's it's uh, it does have this edge uh, of it that's maybe more, ex- I don't know, seems exclusive, uh, is because it is such a, um, there's a lot of, how can I say it, m- mental uh, uh, capacity and, and a lot of uh, yourself that you can put into the music and you can really take it very far in terms of just once you have the knowledge of how to to work with harmony, work with rhythm and make it your own, uh, you're improvising on the spot. So that's what the the jazz musicians are reacting to. If they have an ear for like, oh, that guy just did a flat seven going to like a flat two. So if you have an ear for it, yeah, you're going to be really drawn to what it is exactly technically that they're doing. But if you take a step back, um, there's so much, you don't need that kind of training. Mm -hmm. You don't need that kind of ear to hear it. Um, and if, if you're finding the stuff, uh, the current modern stuff, hard to listen to go back to the twenties to the thirties, go back to Louis. I'm strong. And I think everyone can listen to that and really feel something, uh, in their soul. And, uh, I think that's what jazz is. It's that like, very tribal, very human um, feeling that I think is in all of us. And I think you can find that you just maybe need to search for music that's a little bit maybe older before it got so evolved, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And then perhaps you'll have more of an ear for the current stuff. Um, And then what Coltrane did uh, uh, with the music, and he just kind of took it further, you know? And so your ear might just find... Uh, a spot that you really like and stay there for a bit and then eventually your ear will just evolve. But you yeah. don't have to have the training.
0: Yeah, no, it's so. a, yeah I never thought of a jazz that way, but I think it was with me the first time I listened to Arabic music that had all the scales that are not like major, minor, like the the regular scales in the West and there will be an, another episode that we're going to talk at length yeah. about that kind of stuff. But I remember like, yeah, you have to adapt your ear to hear that. And even to me now, major minor scales sort of sound very vanilla. Whenever. boring. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that's a bo- yeah, not boring, but like, oh, that's cute. That's a minor. How about like Hijaz or like other kinds yeah. of that? But it's, it's interesting how it gets, it's like, The analogy I made to a friend of mine the other day that he was like, why are you into all this world music stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then I said, oh, it's like as if you had only eaten pasta all your life. And suddenly you are presented to this buffet of food from all over the world. It would take a little while for you to get the taste of certain things, especially when you haven't experienced like explored it or you weren't born with it. Yeah. But as you do, your, like your mind gets uh, open to a lot of diff- different, uh, opportunities. And totally, totally. you just
1: have to let your mind do that. You just have to expose yourself to all this music. And it's uh, interesting, uh, about what you said about makam and like, the, the, the scales, the Arabic scales that are much different than what we have here, uh, in the West. um, that there are also a lot of similarities and we talked about that a lot with you just finding the similarities between these different cultures um that are just like whoa how did that happen like um so it really is to me it's it's the same like the arabic scales and the and the jazz because the jazz especially because it comes from the blues that very very basic um um, kind of like, here's my soul, here's what it's yearning for. And the blues, as we know, everybody talks about that blue note, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, I guess just to simply explain to non-musicians, you know, mmm, and I mean, I'm singing this in a Ukrainian way, but, uh, that, th- that third, you know, um, eh, that in classical music, it's either minor or major, da, 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 it's somewhere in between in, B- in calm, but same with blues. Yeah. And it's because it all comes from the same place. So yeah. it's just got transformed differently, got yeah. evolved differently. But the starting point is always that slightly flat third. It's not quite, it's not quite in tune mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's nature, right? Yeah. It's, um. It's the way it's supposed to be in nature, which is somewhere in between uh, the E flat and the E on the piano, yeah, yeah. which we can't play uh, on the piano.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is like a tampered instrument, right? Which mm-hmm. is uh, They decided these are the notes we're going to, to play, right? Which is kind of True. interesting. Yeah. And True. then for you, so f- like from, from jazz that you said, hmm, I want to get into the traditional music like of Ukraine and probably other places. So, so, so let's traumatic. try to get a little bit into that. And then you... Do you remember how that started? Was it like a song, a decision? You woke up one day and said, "I want to do mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. back to Ukrainian songs," or how, how did that work?
1: Uh, so for me, it was definitely hearing uh, the vocal stuff, the um, the choral Ukrainian um, polyphonic singing stuff. Um, I it's funny. I did grow up with it. I heard it, but it's um, in Ukraine. It's kind of it was known as the village uh, singing. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't really, um, something that you wanted to aspire to. You wanted, you know, you wanted to be a classical musician. That's like the, like, if Mm -hmm. you're trained, uh, if you have, uh, X amount of years to show on your diploma, then you're a good musician. But, um, that's kind of the, the, not everybody, but there's a little bit of that mentality, um. And so the village stuff is just—it's out of tune. It's—it's um, it's for the peasants. Uh, it's, it means you know you have less income, um, and it's there. It wasn't really understood as an art form, um, except for some people, and those people were the the, um, the young students uh, in the '90s that realize these grandmas that are singing this stuff in the village, they're going to die soon. We need to go and preserve this. Uh, And um, so my dad did a a little bit of this, and um, they went and and they grabbed field recordings of of these grandmas. Um, And of course, sorry, this has happened before the 90s for sure. But uh, it's just something that we kind of heard a little bit sometimes. And when I finally um, decided to really revisit it here in Toronto, it was just, I started through YouTube. Um, I'm trying to remember what was the spark that drew me in. Um, I think it was a random YouTube search. Huh. I think it was just, uh, and then I clicked on something and was like, whoa, yeah, wait a second. First of all, it brings back nostalgia. It brings back those sounds I heard. Second of all is just, what is this? This is beautiful. What is that um, way that they're producing the sound, you know? And it's just because it's so real and so um, basic. And again, to me, totally uh, blues and that type of singing is like the same thing. It's just like, here I am, I'm, I'm working on a field and I, am, um, I need something to make this, this better. Uh, hmm. And uh, and that is song, and that's how they would communicate, um, and also express their own woes and feelings that they were going through, and and I just felt that, and so I went, and uh, there was. Uh, I googled like is there anything in Toronto or anybody else that's into this and sure. I remember discovering COSA Collective mm-hmm. and now I'm you know I'm a part of them I know the girls that they're fantastic uh young uh women and then bringing up um these traditions in a modern Toronto world um and so they they were putting on a workshop and I went um to go to the workshop and it was Anastasia that was doing it back then she was the fur the original singer in Lemon Bucket Orchestra okay um, 8 years ago or something uh, and she uh, kind of introduced me to uh, hear some more recordings here's some more field recordings go and check this stuff out and i just started really listening to it a lot and trying to emulate it never thought i could sing that way because i was a jazz singer i was huh. Uh, kind of like a Nora Jones, like very soft uh, singing. And then one day I discovered, I was like, whoa, I have this. It's five times louder. It's a very strong piercing. People call it nasal. Uh, it's just a very piercing kind of quality that uh, is really very human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's
0: cool. That's great, uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, about that, uh, like we're going to get into now a little bit about specifically like uh, U- Ukrainian uh, music, and to me, I remember the first time I saw you singing uh, like Ukrainian music. I had already seen some people like in Toronto, like in uh, some people from the Lemon Bucket Orchestra and Post Collective and other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh wow! Yeah, I had the same impression. It's like, whoa! This is a different way of singing. It has it this just power. You. It has this, uh, and it's. It's raw in a way, but at the same time, there is some, at least to me, there are some hints of a very ancient but some sort of like ancient sophistication and simplicity the way that they uh that they do it and then i remember mm-hmm. seeing you uh you saying it's like oh wow like how can she produce this kind of <laughs> hey, she's so, so
2: little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: and that's that's uh, one of the things that then i wanted to maybe you can even like maybe even like demonstrate a little bit of that like uh later on uh, as you know we're going to like do a little like demonstration of a like a song that is important to you and we're gonna get into mm-hmm. that but you mentioned this idea of the polyphonic sound right so this is basically from what I understand it's you have many people that they are singing and they are complementing the 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 melodies that are happening mm-hmm. and they're doing like sometimes different kinds of uh, melodic lines or they're doing sometimes the same and you have a little personality. How, can you talk a little bit about the structure of this kind of yeah, uh, quote-unquote village music from Ukraine? Yes,
1: yeah, so it's different than um, the choral music that we used to hear uh, because uh, the choral music here has a lot of harmony. We talk about harmony a lot. Um, and so um, I guess the simplest way of uh, describing it is things are kind of built uh, in harmony um, in Western music and it stays that way for the most part. Uh, you know, like there's a soprano that's gonna sing the top part. And uh, um, whereas with polyphonic singing, um, it's a little bit more of a the main melody and things do go into harmony uh, at some point, uh, but it always comes back. And that's the one thing that I've noticed um, that really struck a chord with me. Uh, uh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, it always comes back to the to the tonic, which is the the main note. Um, so it's like it's like coming home. You know, it starts somewhere, it goes somewhere crazy, and it always comes back. No matter how many singers you have, they're gonna sing the last note. Um, like, always comes back to the first note that it started. Um, so, um, that's kind of the difference, uh, with polyphonic singing. It's like branches and offshoots and it comes back. Mm-hmm. But you could probably find a better Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, definition.
0: <I'm>, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like uh, in these conversations, it's more like uh, given, like how you touch this uh, culture and this tradition, and how you interpret and how you how you how you use it. And uh, and thank you for the little demonstration of uh, <laughs> <you go>. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and that that's that uh, like little like um, part that you're saying. That's uh, from that's a Ukrainian song, right? Specifically, mm-hmm. uh, this one that you, that you just sang mm-hmm. and sung in Ukrainian,
1: right? That's right. Yeah. So that's, uh, a, a spring song, uh, a spring and wedding song, um, for, I believe central Eastern Ukraine. I, mm-hmm. I am definitely not a specialist. Um, this is still a new thing for me, but, uh, beautiful song that kind of, um, um, is about the revival and about, uh, springtime, uh, the time to get married, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what pretty much all the village songs were about. It's like, um, time to get married. There were funeral songs, spring songs, uh, and, and songs that have to do with the different celebrations, um, the winter time. But it's very much, uh, yeah, they're very much, um, uh, like catalogs of songs. These are the ones you sing at this time, and these are the ones you sing at this time, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. So
0: yeah, and it's funny when you say that because we actually have sort of like that kind of uh, thing too. Uh, like, we have songs for birthdays, for weddings, as you mentioned, the uh, Sterry Flower Company. Like, it's literally yes. like a, there will be a certain repertoire, and yeah, there will yeah, be yeah. the top 50 that will be sung in different. Uh, and I guess, yeah, love like when songs. Journey
1: wrote Don't Stop Believing, I don't know if they knew, but that was just gonna be for weddings, eventually. <laughs> 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 but yeah.
0: yeah, and then there are like "Starry to Heaven songs to learn on the guitar, right? Yeah. And yeah, hopefully, with this, uh, this show, people will get uh, inspired to take a look. Look at this other traditions that I remember seeing. Uh, one of the the most beautiful, powerful songs that I heard from. I'll put link on show notes for the for the on the repertoire. There was this very sad song about. Um, it's all innuendo about. Um, about like betrayal and it's a story like um, there's this Kozak, there's this uh, Ukrainian warrior and he goes to the house of this woman and but she's basically lamenting, oh, you have this family, you have your wife, but it's sort of like a forbidden love song and they relate oh, yeah. to a bird and I remember yeah. I heard the song and I basically felt all those things. Yes, and then so suddenly, that oh, that's what the song is about and yeah. then I remember like like goosebumps mm-hmm. camera can see, but it's uh I remember like, oh wow, like it's, it was so powerful and again, mm-hmm. sung in a way that it's absolutely unique to that area of the world. Mm-hmm. and that actually brings me to my next uh, like um um Segway, which is, so you started doing the like Ukrainian songs and learning all this beautiful way of singing and projecting your voice in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then you found songs from other places as well, right? Like, so you started doing like... Uh, well, another project we can we can talk about which is Blisk, right, mm-hmm. that, that you have uh, and then you have the songs which are like 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 Polish, Russian and this other part so can you talk a little bit about how your uh, um, interest from Ukraine grew to, grew, other regions? to yeah. Eastern
1: yeah. Europe and, and beyond yeah, that's a very good question because um, I just want to make my life harder um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know uh, why not try to sing this stuff in different languages that I don't know how to speak Um, uh, yeah so that came from um, definitely again the just expanding my mind through YouTube searches and so on, but I remember a moment where I heard Macedonian. It was the Macedonian stuff and the Bulgarian stuff that really drew me in or or out to <laughs> discover more. Uh, and then I found some girls that are also into this stuff in Toronto, and that's uh, Ekaterina, Stefania, and Evelina from Blisk, um, and that's a group that takes. Um, Eastern European, uh, and beyond, uh, vocal, um, songs. And we add a little bit of percussion and dance Mm -hmm. to them. Um, so we really like to expose people to these sounds and how they're different. So, you know, we just talked about Ukraine and that very open throat, uh, type of singing, uh, that's very, um, vast, uh, but also, um, there's, you know, Macedonia and that it's like, very similar but there's uh, more rhythm mm-hmm. I don't know that's just the simplest way to ex- explain it mm-hmm. of course there's all kinds of stuff but uh the rhythm of that stuff really drew me in because it's more interesting there's a lot of stuff in seven and in nine and so it's um a, a less kind of straight thing that we're used to here uh, which is four four you know one two three four one two three four but there you have three four the bed. and it just has such a uh again to me it's like more real mm-hmm. way of moving even because if you look at nature nothing is straight nothing is square um everything has different um sides to it that all balance out so that's what drew me into that stuff and then and then the bulgarian stuff which uh uh, is different again from all, um, especially from Ukrainian because the harmonies are, they're more dense. So there's a lot right. of what we call seconds. So instead of that coming back to that tone that I just spoke about with the Ukrainian stuff, there's a lot of, um, uh, close intervals that create these cool beats. So somebody's singing one note and somebody singing a note right above that. Um, and it creates a very oh, social, cool, social, yeah, yeah, pulse yeah. kind of. Um, so I just, I heard it and I, uh, really, really wanted to get into that. And again, that's a very new thing. So there's a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a different, slightly different, um, technique also. Um, and we are just doing our best with trying to, um, pay tribute to those traditions, uh, while exposing people like us eight years ago when we never really heard this stuff and just having other people have those goosebumps moments that you just talked about Mm -hmm. it's the most beautiful gift because it just makes them more interested in the world and maybe they'll go and and google this stuff and maybe they'll go and open their ears and minds a little bit
0: yeah for sure no that's uh, that's fascinating so now that you went from like classical, then you went to jazz, then traditional in the uh, in Ukrainian sense, and then to all these other traditions that you're explore, exploring. And I know, like, even with with, uh, with me and with other groups around Toronto, you're exploring even like Middle Eastern influences and mm-hmm. things. Um, That's what, been
1: really fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what do you, um, in terms of like, given your journey so far with this, what are like some common elements and some things that are like very distinct from uh, like the Ukrainian traditional music or oh, oh, to your eyes, like uh, what's your perceptions in terms of um, you talked a little bit about Macedonia and the, the mm-hmm. rhythms that are like in sevens and nines is mm-hmm. basically for people that don't know. This is basically uh, you count cycles through music. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three. So in, in Western music, most of it uh, mm-hmm. today, at least, it's either in you count to two, one two, one two, or one mm-hmm. two three, or one two three four. Mm-hmm. And whenever you go to this other places around the world, you have sixes in uh, Persia, you have sevens on all over Balkans, and, mm-hmm. uh, you see, and the, the nines in in Turkey, and the, everything in between. And when you go to India, you have I don't know, one hundred and twenty-eight things, and so rhythm um, mm-hmm. in Macedonia right. was one thing what, what what's like in terms of like similarities and differences between these traditions that you're exploring
1: um yeah the stuff that I'm exploring now it's actually um, interesting because it starts with uh, differences and then in the end it's like okay everything is just <laughs> we're all one and there are so many similarities that's what I find um Hmm. What else is there? Even, you know, with um, uh, the uh, the projection mm-hmm. and the way that we, uh, we were just talking about that sound, right? And a lot of people say that it's different. Uh, and everyone asks, like, how do you do that? How do you do that? But really, I find that as I go and learn more, um, I end up just, uh, discovering really more about the human voice. And that in the end, even in classical and opera, all these techniques ex- exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and in pop, it's like, okay, you want a little bit more, uh, resonance here, so you, you, uh, you go from here and you really light this part up. Uh, you want more open, kind of breathy air, you open this up and you really draw from here. It's all the same, uh, it's all the same technique. It's just that you're using a little bit more of one um, than the other. So in this um, singing, uh, it's really all about, again, like opera, opening it up here, making sure you have good support. Um, and then and then just uh, uh, aiming it slightly different uh, with um, the <laughs> uh, oh the, um, the resonance yeah mm-hmm. the, the frontal resonance. so um, so that's been interesting um and of course the the Arabic stuff in the macam totally new for me, but thank you f- to you for uh, exposing me to that that's been quite a journey um and especially. Uh you know I thought I had good ear training coming from Humber and my my training but this is a whole other thing. Yeah. It's like you 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 are hearing all the notes in between the semitones and um this one is half flat and this one is half sharp and it's just crazy and I'm just starting to to hear it. And it's crazy realizing that our instruments here our western instruments just don't allow us. Okay. Uh, to even hear those sounds like the piano you can't you can't play in between the notes um now they're starting to so there's a synthesizer that's out the rolly uh keyboard uh where you can actually depending on where you place your finger on the key, you can make it half flat. Yeah, Actually, that's yeah. A new thing.
0: Yeah. In, uh, though you, you would like to see to to hear that because uh, in um, the uh, especially in uh, like Arabic bands, they're using a lot of um, uh, they have in the in the Middle East, they have specific kinds of uh, keyboards that they do. Basically, you can say which uh, Macam, which, like, scale is going to be, and then they switch those, uh, like, around. So, and then whenever you're doing, like, vibratos with that little, like, knob thing that you can sort of get those sounds. You can sort of get
1: those Yeah, you can get close. You can get pretty close these days. Yeah.
0: And, and, uh, but then for you, like, that's one thing that I wanted to, 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 to talk to you about, which is... We were talking about voice for a while, and then, uh, but you are also like an accomplished like keyboard player. So, can you talk a little? I know you, you played piano for for a long time, and I know you play keyboards in some of your of your projects. And you also play the accordion, which we'll talk about in a bit. Mm. And also you played the fantastic 80s... Um, oh, um, guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Guitar. Mm-hmm. yeah. So can you talk a little about, about your uh, journey exploring um, like keyboard instruments and how they mm. relate to your singing and to, to music? Uh,
1: yeah, that's a good way of putting it that it's, the journey led me to the accordion. Um, so the accordion is definitely uh, a new thing of mine. So I've been doing piano you know, since I was six, long time. Um, So I feel uh, a lot more at ease and more proficient at that. Uh, But this instrument discovering maybe, I mean, maybe it came from uh, me being literally small and um, not being able to carry a piano or even a keyboard around everywhere. I did do a lot of uh, gigs, uh, about three years ago, no, no, even a year ago, I kind of made a choice to take a step back from private and wedding gigs a little bit uh, because I've played a couple hundreds of those and um, a lot on the keyboard. And I did actually have some physical problems. Um, mm. uh, some of it was um, not so much at the playing of it, but uh, carrying it around gig to gig that was um, became a little bit of an issue. And so actually one of the things that drew to me to the accordion was that it's more portable in the size. But once I started playing it, um, it was like, again, it was like coming back home um, because the nostalgia kicked in uh, of those songs that I heard growing up. Um, and there's just, it's such a different instrument than piano, um, even though there are piano keys here on the one side. Uh, but it's a reed instrument, um, and the left side is quite different. So, uh, you know, this side makes the melodies. Can you pick
0: it up mm-hmm. just to show yeah. in uh, more or less? So, I mean, people will have seen accordions everywhere, probably. So, one of the quote-unquote folk instruments that are, is the most like popular so one famous, everywhere. Like but everywhere, yeah. let's uh, see what uh, what it does like in terms of sounds. Like just because you are talking, just to yeah. show a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So uh,
1: definitely um, the the right hand is more familiar to people because it is like um, a piano instrument but we know that a piano you know you hit a note um, and a mallet uh, hits a string so it's more a percussive kind mm-hmm. of instrument whereas this is reed based and it's really based on uh, you pulling out uh, an in and, uh, and the air Coming to the um, to the notes, so you can really use it as a voice. So if we just look at the right hand, you know, if you just play a note, you can. It's like taking a breath in and you do literally have to so uh, because this doesn't extend forever at some point you do have to take a breath and that's what makes it so real whereas with with piano you know you you can play forever um, and not stop moving your fingers but here you as you come to the end Be uh, con- completely continuous, uh, but the left hand is totally different because um, you you make um, your chords or your your kind of foundation uh, lower notes, your lower support notes with the left hand, and it's uh, totally different than the piano because the uh, the notes are not all lined up in a row, but they're uh, in fifths, you know, as we call them. So. Uh, uh, the closest two notes are actually quite far apart. Mm. They're a fifth apart. Uh, and that of course actually makes so much sense because so much folk music, again from all over the world, comes from the, the one and the five. So the one is where you always end up. And, and the five is what draws you back home. You wouldn't want to end here you would wanna come back. So uh so that's been really cool to discover and kinda of to almost go back because I'm not as proficient at the accordion. But to be able to take such a step back and play very simple chords that are the foundation of everything mm-hmm. uh, has been... Uh, now I look back at jazz music and, and all this other stuff and I, and I hear all that, all that mm-hmm. folk stuff in there uh, just from playing the accordion. So and of course it's, it's more portable so I can uh, bring it around. Two gigs, much easier. And the keytar is the other thing that I thought, you know what, I do a lot of stuff, why not do this and try to pull it off? It is more portable. Um, It was popular, you know, in the 70s and 80s and now it's like a cheesy kind of thing but it's, that a lot of people look at it as, but I'm trying to bring it back and make it cool again.
0: Cool. <laughs> so, um, on, one of our next shows, we must bring it
1: back. He-tap, yeah.
0: yeah mm-hmm. like you got it. But uh, yeah, thanks for showing the uh, the accordion. It's uh, I think one of the the other things that the accordion can can do that is so so interesting from a world music point of view mm-hmm. is that it. It's present in so many cultures and they play, they're played, uh, like differently depending on where you are. They have different sizes and different shapes and, uh, and different things, but they, uh, as you said, like with the capabilities of, like, this breathing and uh, the intensity that you can do mm-hmm. you can be rhythmic and you, you can, can be, uh, and yeah. you can be the, the melody and you can be drone sounds you exactly. can do all sorts of things exactly
1: so it yeah. works in like Indian music with the with the drone uh it kind of uh, can simulate a harmonium instrument and then the the Arabic stuff although it's tricky of course when you're getting into the the the, the, the half tones yeah. stuff because um, there are some in- accordions made for that obviously yeah. not the Eastern European one yeah um but or or the german one but uh the uh, the brazilian stuff too right uh there's so and that's when they really use it in a cool rhythmic way uh that i would love to also get into eventually um because they really kind of um almost use it as a percussion instrument uh in the left hand there's so much rhythm uh yeah. yeah it's just cool. everywhere, yeah huh? yeah I
0: just wanted to uh, people to to like just to see uh, what I found uh, very interesting that you found this instrument through your journey in, uh, mm-hmm. in world music it's uh, even though
1: really it's kind of like going back yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. So. yeah that, that's that's a good point it's it's like sometimes when you you discover something new that you think it's new but it's it's coming back home. It's like yeah. it was there already. Like yeah. it's, uh, And
1: that's life, isn't it? It's like <laughs> life is all about coming back home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, great. So now I think like to, to finish off and again, I want to thank you for um, being with me today and uh, talking about, uh, geeking out about music in front of a camera. And, uh, yeah. and um, I wanted to ask you first, um, first, before we do that, uh, where people should go, to check out your stuff. We have links and uh, bling bling and uh, everything, but where do you want people to go to check your 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 stuff out?
1: So right now, uh, it's uh, StacyY.com, and um, Stacy is spelled S-T-A-C-E-Y, and then another Y, because my, um, my last name is very long, it's Yerfeva. <laughs> Um, and that, that is a tribute to my dad, um, who was a fantastic musician in Ukraine, and he was the musical, uh, part of, of me, um, and where I get my talent from. He has unfortunately passed away, but I, uh, do want to, you know, try to keep that name, even though it's hard for some to pronounce. Um, so right now it's stacyy.com, uh, uh, but, uh, and the song that I will sing will be, uh, the one that he has sung to me many, many times in the past. Um, but, uh, I also want to take that even a step further, and I'm currently, um, going through a transition and perhaps a name change, uh, back to my original name, which was Nastia, uh, N-A-S-T-I-A. Uh, and, um, that comes from Anastasia and that's mm-hmm. where Stacy comes from. So when I moved here when I was 13, uh, I didn't want people to call me nasty. Mm-hmm. So I changed it to Stacy, but that was something that I just kind of made up when I was, when I was yeah 11. Uh, mm-hmm. so I really am recently, um, definitely thinking about going back, uh, to Nasty Y. So my website might change, but you can definitely find me if you just uh, search for Stacy Y for mm-hmm. now, and then we'll we'll keep you updated. Yeah, that. and
0: you were. We will find the, the Vera Blisk, the, uh, yeah, the Polky, Balkan Electro Project, Dog, Polky Village Band. Yeah, like all we have uh, yeah, are gonna be on there. Yeah,
1: yeah stereo great. flavor, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, please.
0: and uh, that's great. Yeah, thanks for, for, for that. And uh, it's very interesting that you mentioned about the the idea of like the identity and the change and the uh, like stage you name, know I mean, and mm-hmm. uh, and
1: uh and yeah. that's too and then that's also about going back right it's for sure it's interesting yeah. how life works
0: but yeah this that thing I think even on, on the name search it's one of those things that we are always at this edge between being completely like understood what that name means or everything but at the same time you want to Show more treasures and show more things that uh, the people can know. Maybe they will be able to say your favor, right? <laughs> like yes. uh, over, over time.
1: Exactly. So I kind of am a slash artist right now. Nastia Y, Nastia favor, Stacy Y. You'll mm-hmm. find me. Yeah. So be that. Then, yeah. yeah.
2: No,
0: that's cool. So uh, now let's just talk a little bit about this song that, uh, as you know, like with this 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 project, the DNA of music. I'm trying to get. To showcase a little bit of the traditional music that inspired uh, your journey through world music. And at the same time, something that makes it personal, something that is, um, that puts you in this path. So then I asked musicians to come up with either songs that are traditional that they heard or something that they're working on now or like whatever interesting. And then you mentioned that there is the song that you wanted to talk. Can you talk a little John. bit about that song?
1: Yeah. The, yeah. When you asked me, you know, I was just, I thought, when am we going to perform? Um, and for some reason, this song came to mind for sure. So it, um means a lot to me because uh, it was a song that my dad used to sing to me as a lullaby all the time. So I do have memories of, of that uh, being very little uh, and it just, it's kind of like a soundtrack to my childhood. Um, the song um, uh, was written by his band Rutenia that he was a part of. Um, and so this band was I mean, he was doing some badass stuff when he was, so like 1989, uh, you know, fall of the USSR. He's singing these like patriotic songs. First of all, singing in Ukrainian, uh, on purpose, um, with a lot of symbolism. So, uh, this song, um, uh, talks about uh, a little Kozak. So, sleep little Kozak, uh, which is just so beautiful because um, a, a Kozak is such a, a, just a symbol of Ukrainian, um, uh, you know, a Kozak was a Ukrainian warrior. Uh, and it's just such a symbol of our identity. Uh, and even the Ukrainian national anthem says, like, we are, uh, let's, let's show them, uh, that we are free and that we come from a Cossack way of living. Um, and uh, those are the rebel fighters that were um, really just for uh, uh, keeping their own traditions and cultures alive. And, uh, and it's a beautiful song, um, that is just for kids and it's a lullaby, um, and it became kind of popular, uh, and, uh, some people actually think of it as a folk song. It's mm-hmm. written in a folk way, uh, but it, I actually, um, Uh, Note that it's by Rutenia, and it was sung by my dad, who has the most beautiful voice, Mm. of course, out of anybody on this Mm. planet. Um, So it means a lot. And the one verse that I really love um, to try to translate it it says, uh, um, Sleep little Kozak, Um, uh, one day you will go, uh, you will be a warrior, you will go to battle. Um, and you will realize that there are uh, not many of you, but even less of them. So mm. that's kind of powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, and I think it uh, it symbolizes, just like in a very um, nonchalant way, you know, uh, w- w- where you come from, like be proud of where you come from and uh, be a warrior. And to me, um, that means through music. So you know, I'm not literally uh, out there fighting on the streets, but I I think that my way of being able to translate emotion to people um, is so important. And that's a battle that I'm fighting currently, just getting people uh, just more in touch with their emotions. Even if I'm singing a song in a different language that they don't understand, like you said, trying to get people to the core of the song and the, the meaning of it without necessarily translating it. I think is so important for us to really understand that we are all one, we all have these feelings, we all have these emotions, um, and in the end, no matter the war and the conflict that's going on, um, it's important for us to realize that we are one. And uh, that I think ties in beautifully to your project, this DNA project. Um, You know, it's just so important to 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 hold on to our cultures and what makes us different, but realize that we're all fighting the same battle.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful. (laughs) beautiful That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's 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 interesting to hear from like from your own like perspective. This stuff that I've been like struggling, trying to do the best way that I can to. uh, like showcase that we are all from everywhere, and that um, if we share our cultures, we all get uh, first less likely to kill each other, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, more likely to get the best that everything in the world has to to offer and lift all boats, you know? Yes, and, and communicate
1: about our differences and our oh yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and it's one of those things that. I always find if we if we have just stayed with one specific place and uh, not um, share mm-hmm. what we're doing, um, uh, it would be like invitation for chaos in That's a way, That's what right? causes
1: war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh,
0: Which is why, I like, uh, I like this idea that you're talking about of having the music be even if you can't understand, but if you can convey meaning through music, it will pierce through that. Uh, that sometimes wall that is artificial that we create among each other yes. and this, this dichotomy between keeping your own thing and at the same time sharing it with the world which i think you were doing it beautifully so thank you once mm-hmm. again thank you so much for being here so now we're gonna listen to to the song yeah
1: thanks um, for having uh, me pedro
0: my pleasure mm-hmm.
2: a A was się męsze A jak pijesz Biej Мало нас, а nas A was się треба спати. спить і брати. I said she was bye
0: So, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to The Wanderings Podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at pedrobonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together.